99. Proceeded. 3, 2, 1. Ignition. Oh, God! No! That clip's not gonna hold! This is no time I'm going for! Keep shit! No. Welcome to I Have a Bad Feeling About This. Yeah, I have a bad feeling about this film. Film. It's a film podcast. podcast. It's a yeah. film podcast. <laughs> if we say this more, will 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 we get more listeners? I think it might. It, it might. Um, you know, algorithm. Algorithm. Our voice. Yeah. And then hopefully, we may even film. get a <laughs> film. <laughs> film. Film podcast. Film. Yeah. So predominantly, we are a film. We we'll probably be making some alterations to our names just so that uh, we're a little bit easier to find because uh, I have fat doesn't exist in uh, just general everyday search. Engines. Not yet, Ryan. No. Not with that attitude. Okay? <laughs> Come on now. I'm willing. I'm willing. Um, well, welcome everybody. We're here today to review a couple of new films. Before we get into that, um, we really should kind of tackle uh, a little thing that we ended our last podcast on, which was uh, that we said that we were going to review the pr- new Predator movie. Yeah, The Predator. The Predator. Yeah. And uh, I don't believe we're reviewing The Predator today. No. Probably that's a good thing. I think there's there's definitely a reason. So let's walk everyone through what happened (laughs) exactly. Now, we were excited about the new Predator movie because we love sci-fi. And And love Predator. You know, lots of great things about Predator. A few things things. in there. You were going to do, I was going to do Predator 2. You were going to do Alien. Predators. Oh, Predators. Yes, Adrian Brody's. Which I did watch again. Yes, okay. (laughs) And then uh, The Predator came out, the new film um, by Shane Black. Mm. And uh, well, what happened? Well, um, we we left it a few days um, before we were going to see it, and in that time, I think the wrath of the film going public just decimated it. You know, it it, it was slammed. It was uh, the headlines I read were pretty bleak. Yeah, like and... in ways that I haven't heard <laughs> a, a film being dissed for ever. That's a that's a fatality. That sounds like <laughs> yeah. that's, that's, that's serious. That Whoa. is like, and I mean, yeah, I, agree. I think I Shane agree. Black, uh, yeah, he's almost done his dash. It seems that way. Yeah. I, it's actually, at the press, it's never good. Never a good sign when you know your actors and everyone just starts to distance themselves from mm. the movie during the press junkets. You know, kind of when the, the that runs going on yeah. i mean they were talking um like uh s- disability slurring uh fem- right. female like you know all sorts yeah. of different kind of like yeah. sort of like locker room man yeah jovial shit that yeah. just comes off it's the wrong uh, it's definitely the wrong attitude to have and i was like era. i don't know if i want to sit yeah. through a movie that's just and and besides you know how how can you get excited about a film that's just just been so so smashed, like thoroughly. Yeah, canned. and most of the most of the um, people that we listen to um, podcasts or magazines or whatever, um, you know, they're generally along the sensibility, and they all hated it. Yeah. It was unanimous. Yeah. 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 So, are you gonna are you gonna watch it? I don't. You know what? Um, I'll, I'll when it's streaming, I'll catch it. Uh, mm. I think that'll be fine. But look, for me, uh, once I got those headlines, uh, look, I just couldn't part with my money on on that film, and yeah. I don't feel like I've missed anything. So, for anybody who was listening, and we know that no yeah. one was listening, <laughs> who's uh, interested in our podcast on <laughs> Predator and. Predator 2 and Predators and The Predator. Well, here's the review. Go watch Predator. (laughs) Totally. Go watch the original. Somewhere in your city there is Predator showing at some midnight screen. Go and see it because um, from all accounts, this movie is a shit Yeah, totally. (laughs) So, So, Ryan, do you believe we ever landed on the moon? 
I do. You do believe. Okay. I'm a so firm you're not, believer. You're not, you're not really in a conspiracy. No, in that I, I actually, I actually in, inwardly get very annoyed. Do you? Yeah. When I was a kid, uh, I subscribed to uh, a, like a conspiracy magazine for kids. Oh, I was about ten, no. and every month, that's dangerous. My my news news agent would um, receive a copy of this magazine, and it was is is like a, you know, had, had things about the Manhattan Project, had things about El Chupacabras, had things on the moon landing, had Whoa. things just all all like conspiracy light, and I. Loved it. I absolutely oh. loved it. A little ten because I was, you know, this is this is this is uh, you know this is the nineties. It's yeah. uh, the X Files. It's still prime time television. I loved all of that stuff. Wow. So you you got a bit in you. But you think you know? Yeah. But they they didn't have the technology to make it look that good then. You saw stuff in the sixties like it looked pretty shit. <laughs> Star Trek. <laughs> yeah. Even like two thousand and one and stuff. It yeah. still doesn't look. No. That good, no. you know. Apparently Stanley Kubrick directed the, you know. The moon landings, the, the fake moon landings. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it, well, yeah. it, it, I've got a mother-in-law who's a conspiracy theorist. And oh, that, really? that just proves to oh, me great. again yeah. that, you know, uh, uh, Jade says my eye twitches. And I, th- I think it physically does. I think <laughs> and I don't say anything. <laughs> So we just uh, go well, she's your mother-in-law. One. She's always right. Yes. Okay. Oh, uh, you, you wouldn't know the start of it. <laughs> Don't ever listen to this. <laughs> Pam. Like we'll we'll edit that out. Yeah. <laughs> so um, what would you prefer? And you have to choose one. Okay. You're at a bungee jump. Mm-hmm. You're looking at the operators and they look a bit dodgy. This mm-hmm. is kind of like, this is not an A-class operation. Oh, no. Um, That's my first thought. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's, it's not It's it, it's Uh-oh. not great. You're up there. Mm. It's tied to your foot. Do I say something? Yep. Does it, does now, it just feel or, a bit loose? Or, yeah, exactly. Try, or, to, try to jump and just, you know, whatever happens, happens. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> so would you prefer that uh-huh. or yep. you're on one of those sheer rock cliff, cliffs? Yeah, yeah. You've clamped in your tent for the night, those awful little side tents that we'll talk about soon. Uh-huh. Um, but you're not 100% sure it's clamped in uh-huh. uh, really, really well. Yeah. What would you prefer, the bungee jump yeah. or the, the big rock cliff tent thing that's kind of a bit dodgy as well? Well, first of all, in both of these scenarios, I'm an absolute idiot. You know, totally if, I, if I haven't do one. if I haven't <laughs> clamped my my little tent to that side of the cliff properly, and I'm just mm. I mean I'm just gonna and if like, I'm if yeah. I'm on a bungee I'm about a bungee jump and I have uh, any concerns, <laughs> you know, and I'm not saying anything, I'm an yeah, absolute idiot. Totally. Um, <laughs> In in both of these scenarios, I'd probably say the uh, I would rather be on the cliff face in a tent because at least I can avoid the social awkwardness of of deciding having to decide whether or not I'm going to speak to this other human being about whether or not my things that he's done on my feet are tight enough. Well, least. I mean, he's, he's 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 currently doing a selfie with the Kentucky tour, yeah, so he's not yeah. actually really paying attention. So it might be hard to. In that instance, Ryan, <laughs> I, I I would just basically make peace with the fact that I'm about to die. Yeah, that I I, these, these, are, these guys are a bunch of joker you yeah. know, operators, and you know, I'll say goodbye. Yeah, yeah, I reckon. I, but I was like, the probability is yeah. around ninety five percent. Ninety five percent, no, of, of, of life. Of life, there's a five percent chance. <laughs> well, they come on. That's we're, enough. We're, we're, no, that's easy. Ninety five percent. I don't like either. I, I would. I'd probably choose Cliff Face as well. <laughs> that leads us into the two movies that we're going to review today, and uh, they're yeah, they're both thematically linked. So we've picked a couple of movies today that are either true stories or based on true stories, and the first of which is The Dawn Wall. When you see El Capitan for the first time, I mean, it takes your breath away. Early in the morning, there's this one panel of the wall that illuminates first, the Dawn Wall. It has never been climbed until Tommy Caldwell came along. 
Nobody had actually considered trying. It's like stepping off the edge of the earth. The Dawn Wall is the story of American rock climber Tommy Caldwell and his climbing partner, Kevin Jorgensen. Jorgensen? Yeah. Uh, as they attempt to scale the impossible 3,000-foot Dawn Wall of El Capitan. So El Capitan is, uh, is like the mecca for rock climbers. Wait, wait. It's an operating system. Oh. What? Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> so, Ryan, what did you think of this uh, pretty crazy documentary? Yeah, it was. I mean, yeah. This is a this is a really great story of of human endeavor, you know. And I, I get off on those things, whether they're climbing K two or Everest, or the sort of like the big, you know, the the feats of unnatural ability, which which the common person, like an Olympic level rock. He's Tommy Caldwell in this is is basically deified as the best rock climber that you could possibly ever have. Well, know. let's talk a little bit about his uh, his backstory and his upbringing because, I mean, you know, the first 20 minutes of this movie is it yeah. kind of talks about what kind of kid he was and um, was really honestly kind of kind of jaw-dropping, quite astonishing mm. that, that, that these things happened to this kid. He's, um, his dad's a machine. Well, I mean, starting from the very beginning, he was de- developmentally delayed as a, as a toddler. Apparently, yeah. he didn't crawl until he was two. Yeah. And as a way to kind of toughen him up and make him more resilient, his dad, who was, a, as you say, a body a machine as a bodybuilder, yeah. a rock climber, just this, you know, perfect kind of specimen of a man would take young Tommy to go free climbing um, with him, which, uh, as the film rightly says, if, if any parent tried to do that today, you know, they would be arrested for child endangerment. Yeah, totally. You know, and he he proved to be, um, well, once he got his, uh, his sort of like um, abilities, like his uh, dexterity, um, set out to be probably one of the most respected and sort of like, uh, I guess, revered rock, free rock climbers in the world. And free rock climbing is um, you you can have a safety harness that'll stop your, it'll suspend your fall, um, but you cannot use any other assisted climbing. That's right. So there's no person belaying you if, yeah. uh, and you're, you're essentially climbing this rock by yourself. Um, you're setting um, points in the rock face that will, will harness you to the rock in, in case you fall, but you're doing it all yourself. There's no rigging. There's nothing to kind of, no backup person to mm. um, counterbalance you if you slip. So it's incredibly dangerous. And just honestly, the people who do this, I think are just are crazy. Um, yeah really insane. And, and that's something that kind of struck me about this man, you know, when, uh, you know, again, through the early part of his life, um, he seemed from a young age to be obsessed with this. The fact that at the age of 16, he gets discovered um, during a, a rock climbing competition that he just happened to enter that day. Never yeah. had, never, never done a competition before in his life, never climbed professionally before in his life. He's 16 years old. He enters this competition and then takes out first place and kind of becomes an overnight sensation. I mean, yeah. that's kind of bonkers. Oh, and, and like, there was climbers in that that were kind of world-class already, right, and he right. beat them all. Yeah. There was, a, there was a, one of those rocks that it looks, kind of looks like an overhang. Yeah. None of them could get past no. it, and he's just 16-year-old. Like old. 16-year-old kid. I mean, he's, he's like, just going through the film, the rock climbing physique yeah. um, is pretty amazing. Their, their strength, yes, you know. Yeah. So the film is amazing. Um, the film um, does it, it gets into his younger childhood and his abilities and, and basically where it sets him off. So he 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 meets his um, 
his future partner. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And they go off on this uh, mountain trip. And, and they're all, they're pretty young at that point, aren't they? Yeah, they're, they're like 18, eighteen or something. 19, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, and that sets. There's there's only really two. This is really a two part of this film. It's yeah. the the setup and yep. and the payoff. That's right, that's right. And he the they that's probably one component of the film where I felt like they didn't really have um, a great deal to work with outside of the the actual event itself. You, this is the the setup. This well, they didn't have much to work with outside of they climbed the dawn wall. Oh right, yes, you know, right. As in the yes, trying yeah. to flesh Flashful, out yes. the rest of the story. Yes, that's He's right. A great rock climber, and then they they did focus quite down on. Um, on this event that happened where they were they were kidnapped yep. through Tommy's sort of heroism of the time, uh, and he became a national hero. Well, they were kidnapped by rebels. Rebels. There was a, there was a conflict going on at the moment. Yeah. Uh, at that time, uh, and it was him, his his girlfriend, and another friend. Was it three of them? I think. Yeah, I think there might have been another person. Sure. As well. So yeah, it was a small, a, a small group, a small climbing yeah. group, and they got kidnapped for for uh, yeah. days. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, eventually they escaped um, through sort of Tommy's sort of like courageousness, um, and he had to live with um, with the events that had happened on that trip. That's right. And come back and basically face well, it was like a media storm. That's right. He became they became essentially celebrities. So that was really interesting about the start of this this first half of this film, where you got all of this video of this boy who you see kind of grow up in front of your eyes on the camera. Um, and yeah, as you say, when they get back from this really trauma- traumatic experience in mm. Kyrgyzstan, they're still teenagers, they faced a, a media storm. So, um, you know, the, that that whole, that incident, um, I guess, forms sort of the emotional backstory of, of, of Tommy's character in mm. a lot of ways. Um, and then, you know, the film kind of propels itself from that point into really just looking at this climb, this this yeah. this conquering of the impossible. Yep. Um, now the dawn wall. I didn't know this, but it, it really you look at it and it's it's this basically completely flat, completely smooth surface. Now El Capitan, people have climbed multiple routes on this on this mountain, but it's kind of like a rock climbing mecca, isn't it? It is, and then it's like there's one little strip one where apparently the light in the morning hits first. Was hence hence the name the dawn wall, yep. and it's completely smooth, and there's very little handholds or, or anything you can kind of you know attach yourself onto to climb unclimbable for a reason and yeah. yet this this guy Tommy just decides that this is going to be his life's mission now is yeah. to put his you know put his name in the in the history book so to speak to and, and climb this face of the wall and that's the second half of the film totally and i think that's what the film does quite well with regards to you could you can read the synopsis and say a, a person and his friend dro- climbs the wall yeah. but but knowing the amount of like effort that yeah. they have to do to find the route yeah and yeah. they call them pitches. Yeah. So each segment has a, is called a pitch. So you go, yeah, you go, and then the whole climb is broken up into a, a you know multiple pitches, yeah. 15, 16, 17, and, and each pitch has a, a difficulty category. Yeah. So that was mostly all. <laughs> We're all the, the entire thing <laughs> of the Dawn Wall is the most difficult yeah. level that you could get. Like world class, like. Yeah. Didn't you love that also that there were parts where he'd, you know, he'd spent, I mean, this is over the course of six and more, six or more years. Yeah, it was a long time. A long, long time. And um, he had, you know, obviously planned out where he was going to climb, but 
Didn't you love that there were these big gaps where he was just kind of like, I, uh, I don't know. Shit. Well, <laughs> well, we'll work it out when I'm up there. Exactly. You know? Oh, that was bad. Like, you know, and they, they had little bits like the yeah. traverse yeah. and the, what was the jump they called? Oh, that jump. They called Whoa, it. Oh, that was terrifying. Yeah. I um, just, oh, just thinking about it now. Yeah. Just, you, know, but, you know, you're kind of there on the side of the mountain and you literally have to do a leap of faith yeah. and try to grab onto something, you know, about thing. five feet away. Oh. Yeah, I think it was eight feet. Uh, and so it reminded me in these pictures, I was thinking like, this is a lot like a game. Right. These guys, they're like gamers. This yeah. is a level. Yes. And they yes. get multiple attempts yes. at the same pitch. That's right. Um, and that where that's where the film leads us to probably one of the, the biggest sort of like moments of, of jeopardy and, yeah. and where Tommy has achieved probably one of the hardest pitches yeah. and his friend yeah. who he's a colleague. His climbing partner. Kevin, Kevin Jorgensen. Yeah. Um, he's stuck. Yeah, can't do it. Yeah. Can't do it. So. Now, now that, that was the other thing that, again, I mean, I learned about rock climbing in this movie is that uh, once you go up to do a climb, you don't come down. Yeah. So, is that a rule? Like, apparently uh, so, it right? It seems to be that you, because if they come down, they got to start That's, the whole exactly. thing. Exactly. So, so they could be up on the side of the mountain for days, weeks, maybe even a month. And that in itself was a, <laughs> was a, was a, a pretty terrifying, uh, you know, a concept. Did, did you, did, were you, were you swept away by the story? I mean, I, I, we looked over at each other. I mean, you know, in the cinema, there were several times where we looked over yeah. at each other with kind of just jaws, Whoa. jaw dropped. Like, yeah. wow, that was just, Bonkers. Like I think, um, I think because it's so far out of my um, my comfortability level, and so far out of my knowledge level. Like I, I got to be educated as yeah. well as kind of like thinking, wow, these guys are phenomenal. The things yeah. that they put their bodies through, yeah. their feet, their hands. Speaking of hands, oh. I mean, if we're talking about uh, difficulty level, I mean, the fa- uh, I didn't had no idea about this, but you need uh, your index finger is your most important oh, yes. climbing finger. That's the finger when you grip a piece of rock. That's 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 the 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 kind of the the vice grip that you're you're you know doing. Tommy, um, at, you know, in, at age twenty something, um, cut his index finger oh, off. It's in ironic a accident. Like not many things are ironic. That is like I need. I'm a rock climber. Professional. My life is rock climbing, yeah. and uh, and that's what. And and so you saw that freaking finger off. Pretty crazy. So and then he manages to overcome that. He develops an entirely new, I mean, this guy was, this guy really was, was obsessed, was amazing. I mean, it was like, you could Steve Jobs of, uh, totally. of, of rock climbing. Yeah. It's you know, pretty incredible. Yeah. So I think, um, I think, I mean, that was a great little sort of like, um, they showed his sort of adversity at, yeah. at overcoming that yes. obstacle yes. and how everyone was like, Wow, even without this finger, this yeah. guy can still yeah. do that. And so, so as a sto- I think it was great as they they kind of set out to do this as a personal achievement. As the story progressed, it became a nationwide or even a worldwide yes. media sensation. Yes. Again, he was already well known. Um, Kevin Jorgensen at the time was was what they called a boulder climber or yeah. boulder bouldering. Bouldering, it a, yeah, he was a boulder. So he wasn't a particularly experienced I mean, free free climber. It was like thirty feet tops, you know, yeah. 10, ten meters as high as he would climb. But, and then he, um, and then he, and then he, <laughs> he could, tries to do El Capitan. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> On this just amazingly yeah. difficult. So he gets, um, so that was great. They kind of like, so they showed us through each pitch and I thought yeah. that was great. They showed us and then they get uh, Tommy, um, I think it was pitch nine or one of those ones where he, he was able to, to eventually get past it. And he get he continues while Kevin is, is stuck and yeah. it's kind of like, Oh, is he going to leave him there? What's the what's the sort of etiquette for you know your climbing partners? And they they talk about that. 
I thought that, that was done quite well. I mean, as far as characterization go, I thought this film did a really good job of, of presenting to us compelling real people um, with real conflicts and uh, and quite you know, quite fleshed out sort of personalities. I thought that mm. was really interesting. And they, um, that we, I didn't think they were uh, particularly deep, but they did have enough depth that I thought they were interesting. I mean, you know, Kevin, for example, um, stars in his eyes to be, you know, working and climbing with, Tommy, um, and then you know his own personal journey of of trying to overcome that that pitch that he could could not do, yeah. um, and how that changed uh, the dynamic of their time on the mountain, and and obviously the the fact that the whole world was watching. I found that really really interesting, and mm. and again I thought you know by and large through the film the way that the characters were presented were was 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 really really well done. Um, yeah. Probably with the exception of Tommy himself. I mean there there were times in this film where I felt like it might have kind of veered into a little bit of a vanity piece. But it is a vanity piece. It's yeah. a film entirely about this one man, you know, and this one climb, exactly, more or less. More or less. And and you know, for the most for the most part, I thought um, I was I thought it was actually done quite well. But there were maybe one or two moments where I was kind of like, oh look, I'd be kind of happy to kind of keep the story moving forward. Yeah, trim a bit of the fat, maybe a touch. But you know, it was also really interesting. Um, there was something so American about this story. You know, the mm. fact that this guy had grown up in front of the cameras, the fact that you know, from, from literally this vision from him when he's a toddler, um, you know, when he when he wins that competition as a 16 year old his dad's holding the camera the camera's shaking his dad's so excited he's never seen this before and I found the whole and you know the way the celebrity kind of gets built up and the way the media storm is is it's really it's such an American thing to kind of have your whole life in front of the camera and I mean this day and age when you know and when America is is kind of is is just so crazy and it's just you know so everywhere in our in in our culture um, I found I found myself quite aware of how this is this could only be an American story, you know, yeah, of that that amount of coverage. And I mean, I guess from a from a cinematography point of view, or even a technical point of view, you know, they they were limited to what they could carry up up the mountain. So yeah. the, most of the footage from from the mountain side itself is is reasonably low. You know, it's kind of like found footage. It's great. Film, yeah, it's very authentic. All the people yep. down on the ground looking yep. up, which eventually balloons into quite a hundreds you know, of people. It seems like yeah, yeah. It's a big crowd. But that's oh, yeah. that's interesting as well. I mean, the cinematography, I, um, the the production of this film really left me quite impressed. I mean, I re- I found myself at certain points in this film um, asking myself, how do they do that? And yeah. and whenever I ask myself that question when I'm watching a film, I know the film's done a really great job. Yeah, you know? yeah, for sure. Because this movie, the the coverage of the climb itself, there were there were multiple times where I thought to myself, how do they get that shot? Who's climbing with them? Where's the camera? I, I still don't know. Yes. In fact, you know, like are they filming they must themselves? Have had a lot of support. Right, they they must have, True. but again, I kind of go. Do you know what that? I did think to myself, um, you'd be a little dirty if you were the the camera guys climbing because you're actually also doing yeah. this dawn wall climb, okay? But they can go up and down freely. That's and true. So they can, same that's with right. them. They, they, from the, yeah, they go true. up and they go up three or four pitches and back down. That's right. Like just, a base camp. That's a good so point. They, that's true. That's they true. can just climb it in traditional senses. So I think they must have. But they, you know, in and it was good, like finding out. It's kind of like you know, and we'll get to. The, the next film, but um, how they do things like how do you poop when you're on a mountain? <laughs> <laughs> I've never even thought about it, <laughs> and and now I know. <laughs> they, they hang over You'd... the side <laughs> in, mm-hmm. of a tent yep. and squat. No, oh, and just try not to. Oh, the whole thing was dangerous, Ryan. Like, yeah. how many times do we look over each other at each other and we're just kind of like, wow, oh, that's just God. that's bonkers. You know, they yeah. hang on to things that are less than two centimeters wide with their fingertips, yeah, yep. and essentially it slices their fingertips apart. You their know? hands, their 
lots of close-ups of, of just busted up hands yeah, in this movie. Yeah, big fat really all and big, exactly. Freaked out. <laughs> Kevin, at one point, Kevin Jorgensen has to spend two days just to recover from his hands. His hands He's putting busted. cream and all sorts oh. of crap on there. Like, you're going to need longer than two days. Good luck, you know. Yeah. But, um, but look, you know, you get through it. Um, the film, it's, it's, it's great. I think it would be, uh, appealing to, to any sort of, um, any age group. I think it's quite PG. It's got good things for, uh, for rock climbers and, and amateurs, uh, people, novices like us who, who didn't know anything about it. So as far as an engaging couple of hours, um, sure. Yeah. I recommend this. I mean, it was action packed. It was uh, adrenaline packed. I, I really felt like I was on this journey. Um, the fact that you're dealing with such visceral things, yeah. nature and, and, and people and, and, and intimate and people and this, this one guy, you know, his obsession with conquering nature, the photography just gets you kind of going. Cause you, you know, yeah. you, you see those big shots of how high they are and you know, you, you, your blood starts pumping. Is, yeah. And uh, it's a beautiful, yeah. um, it's a beautiful area of the world. The, yeah. the Yosemite National Park, yeah. you know, it looks, I mean, it'd be great to just hang out there. I mean, I don't need to to climb the wall. No, that's right. <laughs> but, you know. Well, let me ask you this. Uh, you, uh, it's, it's, it was produced by Red Bull. Um, I believe I saw their logo up there. And, and, and then, you know, we were in, uh, before the film started, uh, there was a trailer that played for another rock climbing oh, movie yes. that seemed very similar to the movie yeah. we were just about to see. And we looked over at each other and going, why are they playing the trailer to the film that we're about to watch at the beginning of the movie? <laughs> and we started to try to distract ourselves. It was a little bit ridiculous. And only to discover at the end of the trailer that it was another rock climbing movie that's basically the same rock climbing movie. Yeah, so well, I can't is remember this, the name of it. But yeah, the first climb or something. That, that happens a lot in film, doesn't it? Well, is this going? Is this its own genre? Is this? Is is is, is are we now going to see you know hundreds of rock climber movies and and you know? No, there always seems to be two. You know, it's like right. there's two. You know, Dante's, a magician film. Yeah, exactly. Volca- uh, yeah. Volcano and Dante's Peak, uh, Armageddon, and yeah, uh, what was it? The Deep Impact. Deep impact. <laughs> <laughs> There's the yeah, and, and like you know, like a biography, like a, you know, a Muhammad Ali story is in production. Someone else has got it. So there's right. always like two. Yeah. Um, so yeah, maybe that's just the two, but yeah, we saw the preview for it and we're like, la, 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 we're not listening <laughs> to this and, uh, you know, making a fool out of ourselves. Yeah. Only, Only to find out another movie. We were the fool. But I think it's, I think it, 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 it's ripe for its own, you know, own genre. It's yeah. ripe for milking. I don't know if I'm really down for it, but as far as, uh, you know, watching a, a, one, this film and getting a nice, you know, once in a while, like I suppose, you know, kind of watch an, a, a, an action sports thing. It's, mm. yeah. Yeah. Pretty great. Yeah, yeah. No, so uh, so you recommend? I, I recommend. I, I give this four out of five fingers. <laughs> oh, man. I, well, you know, I, I give it a, a similar sort of score. I'd probably give it three and a half. Um, I did feel that it was it, – it lacked it, – it, it, it felt a bit flabby for me in moments. I would have liked to have gotten to the wall quicker. Um, I felt they, they brought out the, um, the, the Jeopardy – they only had one moment of Jeopardy in his sort of upbringing outside of him rock climbing and they sort of milked it for everything. So I think most of this thing for me was the thing. So I, I would give it – I'd give it three and a half finger tips. <laughs> oh, <I'm so> great. <laughs> Out of five fingers. Great. All right. Yep. So, what's the next movie we're going to talk about today? All right. Well, you know, again, biographical um, history, biographical drama, less so a documentary, and more so into um, into dramatization of a of a real event. So, we're going to talk about First Man, which is Damien Chazelle's uh, third feature. First man to walk on the moon. That'd be something. We've chosen a job so difficult, requiring so many technological developments. We are going to have to start from scratch. 
master these tasks, do we consider trying to land on the moon? Okay, so you're listening to uh, I Have a Bad Feeling about this podcast. Um, film podcast. Film podcast. Film. Film, film podcast. Meta, film, film. Yeah. Meta film, film. Film. Uh, we're going to be talking about uh, First Man. So um, First Man is set in America in the 60s, um, a, a, a decade that everyone knows about, <laughs> a lot of poor. So it's in the Cold War, and we are following Neil Armstrong through um, his test piloting career. Uh, through to the Gemini um, missions um, of the the second series of space missions, right up to his Apollo Eleven moon mission. So it's the lead up to the the first man on the moon. Yeah, now, big big story. Let me just ask you, um, Gemini? Yeah, Gemini? Yes. I never heard Gemini before. It's Gemini. 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 It's Gemini. I, I, I Gemini. think I've, I've adopted Gemini. Adopted? Yeah. Given the maybe it's the American, <laughs> maybe it's the aluminum of the aluminium <laughs> world. <laughs> Gemini, but. Yeah, we, we, let's, we're going to have to stick with that for the wow, for the I story. I, I, honestly, it changed my world around. Gemini, I, yeah, it's Gemini. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, so yeah, it's um, you know, this this is not a this is the film. I think it's a tough tackle okay. because this is a film where the entire world again knows yeah. the the outcome. Yeah, it's, they everyone knows. Spoiler yeah. alert: yeah. they went to the moon. <laughs> they landed. We went to the moon. It was one small step for man and a giant leap for mankind. Uh, yeah, so so everyone knows they they managed to pull <laughs> this right. thing off. That's right. Yeah. Um, and you know, we didn't, given that Neil Armstrong was, was a reclusive figure in, in society, he wasn't, I think it's great that we got to see a little bit more of this historical man. Um, but look, as far as, um, as far as knowing the story, uh, man, there's what, there must, there's more, there's more sort of documentary on, on Apollo 11 than there probably is for Hitler, you know, the Nazi regime, World War II. Like, <laughs> Whoa! The, no, I mean, I mean, oh, I'm just saying. From, in, from there to, <laughs> I had to get Nazis into this. Well, I mean, saying in, in, in the amount of foot film, okay, sure. you know, when you put it on one the, of the Discovery most, exactly, Channel. It's, it's one of the most, it is probably the most iconic uh, moment yeah. in, in human history. And documentaries. Yes, well Shadow with the Moon. We've yeah. got like all sorts of like, all you know. All fake. Yeah. <laughs> Yes, <laughs> you know they, they could have just had um, they could have had the footage. They could have, I think they just used some of the footage. I think from, they did probably, didn't yeah. they? But anyway, we we'll get into that. I mean, you know, it, it, you're right. It's 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 a story that's so well known. Um, yeah. In in it's, and it's really not that long ago. That's what's really amazing about this. Yeah. So the question is how do the how to film how do the filmmakers maintain a sense of surprise and a sense of suspense? And you know, I think you know Damon Chazelle in this particular film chose to really hone in on Neil as a man. Yeah. And uh, you know, use his family story and look at. I mean, really, it's, it's this film. I think is a family drama mm. and a character study, as as opposed to this story of human tr- achievement. Yeah. Uh, it's a triumphant film, and it is about the human spirit. But on a, on really kind of look through the uh, the lens of this of of a, of a of a character study. Yeah. Totally, and I think I think adding to that that um, most of the films in the past that have that have covered these stories, they really have a a, a, a an objective point of view. Sure, yes, you see yes. the Saturn IV rockets yes. and it blo- and it's oh. beautiful, it's oh majestic, God, yeah, it's so good. Goes this yeah. one, you're in there. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. where I think it was different. Yes. You're, it's it's yes. a Neil, it's yes. his point of view. Yes. Yes. Um, you, you, the emotional weight is yeah. is carried by another character in the yeah. film, which is played by um, Claire, Claire Foy. Foy. Claire Foy, uh, his wife Janet, and she's about to come out in um, uh, the new Girl the Dragon Tattoo movie too. It looks, oh, oh looks so I love I, well, a remake. No, the, the, another one. Oh, so right. yeah, Rooney Mara did hers, which I love. 
love David Finch's version, yeah. and this is the this is like three stories later. That oh, they're making right. So, anyway, I digress. so, um, so, so she, she plays she, his wife. She's really good. Yep. She, so she's the emotional core, yes. and we've got Neil as this sort of stoic kind yeah. of uh, you know kind of serious kind of. He's he's got one. Tra- he's a he's a calculated methodical. If you're going to pilot a spacecraft to the moon, you probably want someone like Neil Armstrong. <laughs> not, not like you and I. No. Oh, yeah. Looks right. That's about right. Yeah, yeah. That's fine. Uh, yeah. What, what's Close this one enough do? is good enough. Yeah. <laughs> let's, let's, just, um, let's just press yeah, the launch Details. Button. Whatever. That's what you're there for, right? <laughs> exactly, yeah. Uh, what's, this, uh, what's this flashing master <laughs> alarm? They're very, very poised, very, very calculated. Yeah. Like, yeah. you know, he, 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 his lunar module um, tests yeah. – um, aircraft crashes and he, he kind of just goes to work and goes like, yeah. Well, he was also obsessed. I mean, this is another yeah. little link I thought thematically between the two movies we're talking about today. I mean, these are both about people who are absolutely driven to the extreme. People who will not stop at anything until they achieve their goal. Mm. They're very different characters and living in different eras and different circumstances, but you know, there's that that element of, of, of that human nature that I think uh, is front and centre in both of these films. Yeah. And I think I think that given that given that Neil Armstrong um, is a national hero, he's yeah. he's very much untouchable, and really he didn't really have that many negative traits. Well, you know, I mean, I, I, this is this is probably where for me it was my first gripe of the film that I found uh, Ryan Gosling's portrayal, and perhaps it's to do with writing. Um, you know, you, as you say, he's very stoic, he's very straight and narrow, he's very focused. I, I couldn't help but kind of see uh, Ryan Gosling's uh, Blade Runner character in this. Oh, I, that's I, exactly the note I had. I felt like he was still in replicant mode, yeah, and as and an actor, as an actor, and as a performance, I found it to be maybe a maybe he was holding back too much. Now, I I, I do get the the theme of it. I, I I see that Neil Armstrong was not a very uh, verbose man. He he was not a very expressive man, mm. uh, and he really focused his his pain and his passion into his work. Mm. Um, so I get that as a as an actor, you know, you'd want him to with withhold, yeah, yeah. Um, but I think perhaps Ryan Gosling's gotten a little bit too good at withholding. <laughs> well, there were a couple of moments because he's, I mean, early in the film, you understand, you learn that he's a daughter, a uh, young daughter, two-year-old, yes, dies yeah. of a brain uh, cancer. Brain cancer, it seems. Cancer, very, yeah. very, very sad. and happens at the very start of the movie and that, and that he, kind of forms yeah. the emotional backbone of his mission, really, his he, journey. He decides he's going to kind of like, this is what he's going to achieve to overcome yeah, that. Yeah. And I mean, there's a little bit of an emotional sort of substance in there. But was I mean, it enough? Was it enough? Well, majoritively, he he plays the same character. That's that to me was it was a little bit of an issue. And and you know the the emotional propellant, the emotional fuel for his journey that they set up at the start of this movie with the death of his daughter, whilst really was tragic and heartbreaking. And again, to to see a family in the the '60s deal with something like that, I yeah. thought it didn't go into it heaps, but probably was was enough to kind of give you a sense of how difficult it was to to process, not only from for anybody, but also given that kind of that, that kind of circumstance and and that sort of time and the era. Um, but I didn't feel like it was enough to to really um, hold his motive motivation together through the movie. Uh, it does tie up very nicely at the end, yeah. but I think I might have liked it a little bit more. And, and to, I, I wanted to I, I wanted to get to know Neil a little bit more. Yeah. And well, I, maybe he was just an unknowable character, you know. It seemed to be, um, that seems to be what 
the way he's described in in the in real world, I mean, you you mentioned yeah. he's, a, he's he's kind of a withdrawn, quiet. He's you know you don't with, who none of I don't know too much about the guy. None of us do, you know. No. But I would have loved to have seen a little bit more. I mean, that would have been like an opportunity in a film like this. I think to 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 give us to show us a little bit of another side of him. And I didn't really get that. Um, I felt you know comparing this movie to um some other some of the other other great movies of about that era and about you know the the space uh the, the moon mission. I mean, I think about um the right stuff and. I think about Apollo 13, which mm. obviously is, is you know, two, two missions down. My, well, pretty much up there in my favourite film category. Likewise, yeah. likewise. And, you know, um, I guess I think I went into this movie expecting a little bit more bravado, I, expecting a little bit more of, you know, the it, 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 you know what humans did and what the Americans in particular did in that short space of time mm. is still to this day the probably, in my mind, the most incredible achievement that we've ever done as a species. Yeah. And, you know, films like Apollo 13 and films like The Right Stuff really kind of break that down and show us each step, how difficult it was, how complicated it was, how dangerous it was. Um, and we didn't really, I, I didn't really get um, much of that in this film because it was so focused yeah, well, on him. I think that was the point. I think yeah. rather than sort of over-explaining the, the, the rocket propellants yeah. that they use, and there's a lot yeah. of like, instead of sort of going into how the mechanics yeah. of the whole thing, yeah. I think his direction... Yeah. Um, given that you were, you know, in this in great direction of being, you were in his seat. Yes. And rather than being the about the um yeah, the, the Apollo yeah, missions yeah. and the Mercury missions and the Gemini missions, oh. it's about Neil Armstrong's quest to land on the moon. Look, I mean, I, I think personally, I would have loved a little bit more of the of all of that techie, geeky, nerdy stuff. Yeah, yeah. you know. But um, look, I saw it with with Imogen, and my wife, and uh, and she loved that it didn't have any of that. So, yeah. courses think, for horses. I think mine, my my wife did too. And yeah. I think, I think, I think this is where the film sort of like and an, a note that I had. Um, it got a little boring for me when they got to the point where he was getting to the moon. Um, because there was an, a fantastic earlier sequence in the Gemini 8 mission where he's he, they had a major malfunction. I never knew anything about it. Right. Where the craft spun out of control. They were on the dark side of the radio science of the planet and these gravitational forces. And I thought, wow, this is sort of done in a practical way, not heaps. I mean, the, the visual effects were hidden in a, mm-hmm. in a sort of like, in, they were, you were almost in the cockpit the whole time, out of control. And I, I thought, wow, this is, this is nail-biting seat gripping yeah. stuff. Yeah. Um, but for the actual mission itself, yeah. I, there's not much about that mission I, I'm not familiar with. I know they, they got to low on fuel, you know, that there was almost a textbook landing in the yep. end. And I thought, uh, rather, I thought that I'm, I was kind of glad that they kind of didn't go into too much detail because I've seen yeah. 25 yeah. docos yeah. covering that <laughs> yeah. same thing. Yeah. I, I was yeah. kind of a bit like, I know, he, Jade on the other hand didn't know as much. Yeah. She kind of thought, wow, did they really yeah. run out of, did they really yep. get, go to land on these big boulders yeah. and they had to skim it? Yeah. It's like, yeah, it was all true. Like, that's great. Well, well, there you go. I mean, I think you know that, that's a, that's a, a really good point you make. I mean, you, I think we we live in a time now where news uh, is so fast, everything changes so quick. The the appreciation, the understanding, the appreciation, and the value of historical events seems less and less now because everything's yeah. so instantaneous. So the fact that this happened around fifty years ago and it's really in our in our recent history, um, and yet you know, there's a lot of people that still don't really know the details. We certainly weren't alive. We read the stuff in, in textbooks and so on, but it is. I, I I thought that the film did serve that purpose of renewing uh, viewers, uh, 
you know, understanding and appreciation of, of that moment in history, which yeah. I thought was great. But I do agree with you. I mean, for people who know what happened, um, it, it the film struggles a little bit in that sense to yeah. keep its momentum. And this is what I was saying before, like that, that emotional journey that Neil goes on, I, I don't think was strong enough to kind of keep my attention through parts of the film. I, yeah. I felt the same. I felt there were parts of the movie that felt flat, a little bit boring. Um, I saw it in IMAX. Um, did, I'm not sure if, oh, if you yeah, did. I didn't you? see no. it in IMAX. So no. one thing that I really enjoyed about the IMAX uh, print of this film, and I think for me saved the moon landing sequence, was that when they got up close to the moon, the whole screen opened up. They shot mm. all that stuff in IMAX. Oh, right. And, yeah, and that was awesome. So that was in that big IMAX format. Big like, full square wow. IMAX format. And, nice. and that, that for me was uh, enough to carry me through that whole sequence because, yeah. you know, the cinematography is really worth calling out. I mean, this movie uses several different formats and different film stocks. It starts off really gritty and grimy and dirty. It reminded me of, um, again, of Interstellar, Hoyt A. Hoytema's cinematography and the Do use you know of... who shot this? It was not him because I thought uh. it was him, but it was is, is another cinematographer. But the start of this movie uses um, really really grainy, chunky stock. And the the whole look of the film changes throughout the movie. And when we get to the moon landing itself, you know, that big, glorious IMAX, um, you know, first-person perspective was quite breathtaking and yep. enough to save that part of the movie and make it, you know, pretty thrilling for me. Uh, yeah, and, and I mean, talking about sort of, I guess, in the more technical aspects of the film, um, Damien Chazelle known for his musical films, right. uh, Whiplash yes. and uh, La La Land. Obviously, I, I love both those films. He's 33. He's won an Oscar for Best wow. Film. Like, young guy. Wow. Um, and he's frequent collaborator. Uh, Carabolator. <laughs> Carabolator. I like it. A frequent carabolator. Do we carabolate? Oh, frequently. We frequently carabolate. <laughs> carabolate. Uh, so um, good. But he's music guy, uh, Justin Hurwitz, um, right. who... Who in this film, and this is where me, you know, I love sound, I love sounding film, and I love I love music and film. But yeah. he's he for a, for a musical director, the first half of the film is essentially hardly any music, and it's right. something that I noted when right. the I didn't know of the sound designers. The sound design was Millie Latrue and uh, a guy named a Millie Latrue Morgan and mm-hmm. Ailing Lee. They're the mm-hmm. main sort of people who are credited for the mm-hmm. sound of this film. Um, when you're in the capsule in the takeoffs on the Saturn IV, yeah. those metally, so metally, that was Except fantastic. They're in a tin can. Oh, it, it's, <laughs> it so is good. violent. It's, it's the rattling. Vibra- the rattling, the vibrations, metal. the base of the rockets oh, is man. Awesome. exceptional. Awesome. Like, I'd be lucky. They'd be. I'm surprised if they don't get a nomination yeah, for yeah. for this film. Yeah. Then that's why the I saw film, it in IMAX. Actually, oh man, I would like. Yeah, yeah. I, I, went, I was at um, so I was good. at the Cinemax. Yeah, so yeah. I was a, it was good sound. A good sound. Good sound. Uh, and then at the second half of the film, yeah. when we get into a little more of the stationary things, where the stationary where they're sort of on their way, or, yeah. or there's emotional moments, the, the score opens up. Yeah, and and we get that more traditional. Yeah. Um, Cinematic and sort of orchestral score, uh, and, and yeah. it becomes becomes much more of a visual piece. But that first half, the sound design um, and the thing, so so cinematography, sound design, yes. and music. Um, he, Damien Chazelle, yeah, uh, one to look out for. He's he totally. he's, he's got uh, some ideas. Well, thumbs up from those technical point of views. You know, yeah. um, I, I think probably for me where it fell down a little bit was in its characterization. I mean, also apart from Claire Foy, who I think did a really great job with not a lot of um, really, you know exciting material mm. um the rest of the supporting cast i thought were a little bit left behind they were really kind of just just background well, i mean we, we had jason clark jason clark who's, um, who's currently the everyman 
man. Every, yeah, everyone, exactly. In every film, <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, and uh, Buzz Aldrin as well. I mean, you know, the Corey that... Corey Stoll who played him, um, really was great, but so underused. He, he had like maybe two lines in the movie. And... He came off a little bit bad. Yeah, yeah, grumpy and grouchy again. And just a bit, what, a bit of a bit of a bit of like that we were saying about the Mercury missions and right. the right stuff, where yeah. they were kind of this gung ho pilot. Yeah. It was kind of like they were kind of juxtaposing Neil's determination and and focus yeah. with Buzz Aldrin's a bit like, yeah, we're yeah. going to the moon, baby. Devil may care, yeah. totally. Yeah. So I, I and I felt as though I never knew, I never heard of there whether or not there was a bit of a tension sure. between those two in that regard. From my understanding, you know, they're very different people, and from my understanding, that Buzz is like that. Buzz <laughs> is a grumpy, grouchy, cranky old old guy. You he know? definitely and doesn't like the moon conspiracy. No, uh, he doesn't he, exactly. He, will, he hates it. I think he's gotten into fights I with think people. He's walked for, out yeah, on interviews, yeah. and so you know, he has his own machine. <laughs> does he? That it's the like, Buzz Aldrin, when I like walk on the moon, <laughs> and he sells it on <laughs> Info get... TV. Oh, that is so good. Uh, we should try and find that clip. Only in America. Yeah. God bless America. You America. know that the second man on the moon can can you know also have his own product, infomercial, and yeah. hawking stuff on television. Yeah, so some sort of CrossFit. So Ryan, what would you give this? And you, would you recommend it? And uh, what score would you give it? Well, I would. I would certainly. Let's see. I'm. This film, in in all the technical aspects, uh, in most of the thing, I I'm I'm a little biased because of my own um, knowledge of the Apollo Eleven mission. Yeah, um, I'd probably give it uh, seven and a half rattly tin can spaceships oh, out of ten. Pretty good. Yeah, pretty good. Pretty good. I'd give this uh, two and a half um, stars out of five. But for me, this is kind of, it's more Apollo 15 than Apollo 11. Mm. You know they went to the moon, um. but it's kind of forgettable <laughs> a little bit. Yeah. I mean, it's a thrill, but then you don't really, I mean, I haven't really thought much about it afterwards. So I think uh, Apollo 13 Apollo is probably still my preferred film as far as films about this particular topic. Yep. Um, but worth seeing for the technical elements. You're right, I, I hope it gets an, a nomination for sound design. Yeah. Um, and see, if you are going to see it, go check it out at the IMAX because the IMAX sequence and the IMAX sound is is really what you're there for. Yeah, I agree. Apollo 13, um, many more thrills, a lot more jeopardy. You still know how it comes out, but they've got a lot of little bits in there. And Apollo 13 has Kevin Bacon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Always a plus. Yeah. Great. All right. Well, look, uh, let's let's kind of wrap it up, Ryan. What else? Uh, what else have you been seeing? Have you got anything? Uh, any other movies you want to talk about? Well, um, well, I did see uh, A Star Is Born. Oh the, wow! Uh, the fifth time this movie's been made. Uh, I've seen that trailer so many times, yeah. and, and every single time I see the trailer, when we've, when we've been at the movies, I look at you and go, Ryan, I have to see this yeah. movie. Yeah, oh, it's really it's it's absolutely. Worth watching. It's, you know, uh, so I, silly and sappy, but looks really compelling and fun. Bradley Cooper directorial debut, him. I believe. Cool. Um, yes, you know, great actor, yeah. great character actor. Yeah. yeah. Great, you know, one of the best of the generation. Yeah. Uh, he, he really brings it. Lady Gaga, really good. I, I you know, I'm not the hugest Lady Gaga fan. Yeah. So when I hear her voice um, yeah. singing the songs sure. in the track, um, I kind of get a bit taken out. Sure. You know, and I kind of hear, I don't particularly <laughs> like her personality in the, in the, um, oh. in the interview circuits. Oh, I, I find oh. she's a little bit sort of like, she kind of, she, she thinks she's, she's pretty hot stuff. Sure. Um, well, so, the, the title of the film and and her being the lead cast is is kind of doesn't really match up. I mean, her star has is just is she's massive. Yes, you know, but you know, the previous incarnations, Judy yeah. Garland was a massive star. Right. Um, Barbara Streisand sure, again, sure. massive star. So they use people of the of the genres who are um, who are sort of st- stars in their own right. Sure. And look, she she definitely holds it. Good movie. You know, it's it's good. It's worth seeing. 
some soundtrack stuff is good. There's uh, the trailer really reminds me of um, the Johnny Cash movie with uh, uh, was it with Joaquin? Walk the Line? Yeah, Walk the Line. Was it Joaquin yeah. Phoenix? Yes. Yeah, Joaquin and uh, Reese Witherspoon. Yeah. So um, and only only in the sense of you know there's that there's that kind of relationship as well where they're you know they're both singers in their own right and then you know she becomes famous as he kind of like gets her on the stage and yeah. there's a moment in the trailer of this where it's kind of similar. Any similarities or are they quite different stories? They they definitely they're definitely different stories. Yeah. Um but yeah, and and it's also set in a, in a much more modern yeah. era. So modern you know celebrity. when uh, Lady uh, when Lady Gaga's character um, becomes famous in this film through yeah. through the Bradley Cooper avenues, um, it's it's a much more modern take. Billboards, okay, and, you know, uh, MT, social media, uh, like Saturday Night Live yeah. appearances. Yeah, so it's pretty right. cool in that okay. way. You know, yep. um, so what about you? What have you uh, any seen anything else besides our our films? Yeah, so uh, a film I, I want to talk about just briefly is called American Animals, and American Animals is is a also based on a true story, although the film makes a point at the start of the movie to say, this is not based on a true story, this is a true story. Ah, so it's not like a liberty taking, you know. It it does, I'm sure, take some liberties, but um, I'll get into why it does that and why it kind of is really kind of interesting in a second. Now, the film is about four young men who are in college um, and they kind of get wrapped up. I mean, they're like, you know, 19 years old, 20 years old. They get wrapped up in this fantasy of uh, pulling off this heist. Yeah, so they kind of just get caught up in this this big plot um, to rob their school library of, uh, of of a really valuable book, you know, worth tens of millions of dollars. So these four kids, they they decide to try to pull off this audacious heist, and of course, it all goes horribly wrong. Now, the reason the movie says this is not a true, this is not based on a true story, it is a true story, is that the film cleverly plays with format. Yeah. And structure, and there, it, it has a. It's a combination of uh, of interviews with the real people themselves and reenactments, which aren't really, you know, not your traditional reenactment. These are well done narrative yeah. parts of the film. I mean, it's, it's it's a proper kind of narrative fiction, narrative drama. But the film goes between the real people t- recounting their experience, and then we go into the the fictionalized version uh, of that that those moments. But then the film also does weird things where the real people um, are in the fictionalized version as, as their fictionalized versions of themselves see them in the you know in the landscape of the movie. So Whoa. it's a little genre bending. Yeah. It's it's and I really really love that. I haven't seen that done before, and 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 you know what? I haven't seen that done in a really really long time. Um, and and yeah, so it's it's a it's a, um, structurally really really interesting. The story itself, it's well performed, it's well acted. The the young actors in this movie are great. Barry Kogan, who plays uh, the lead, one of the lead kids, Spencer, he is a doppelganger for like a young Joel Edgerton. So I, oh, wow. I, I thought that was kind of cool. cool. Um, yeah. But you look, it's the film itself. Like I said, it's a little bit meta. Um, you know, it's got these blurred lines of what's real and what's not real. It's one of the more cleverer films I've seen this year. I yeah. really recommend it. I mean, got and a really small run, um, yeah, and I hope I can see it again. One of our point. local indies was exclusive, I think. Yeah, um, I think at uh, one of the local cinemas. Was mm. it? Um, was it a film that you would? Um, did it? Was it? You know, did you know the outcome, or were you just like, what is going to happen to these guys? I th- the outcome was kind of telegraphed a little bit um, halfway through the movie because you realize that this is not going to end well for everybody that's involved. So I think to that point, you know, the structure and the genre itself is is a little bit limiting. It's a true crime story and, you know, like a lot of true crime stories, you kind of know what's going to happen. Yep. It's, there's not hu- it's not a huge twist. So to that end, it did drag 
ever so slightly kind of, you know, maybe between the second and third acts. Yeah. But um, again, probably creative and clever enough that uh, I would recommend. And again, it's it's a really, it's a, it's a small film. Um, I, you know, it's worth uh, supporting, you know, uh, young filmmakers. Um, and, you know, we've just talked about Damien Chazelle, you know, 33, already this massive star. Well, the guys that made this film um, and the filmmakers of American Animals ought, ought to get some props as well because it's very, very clever. Yeah. Okay, great. Well, you know, that's great. Um, I've, I've done, uh, I did the Netflix series, The Haunting of Hill House. Uh, um, nice. All 10 episodes. <laughs> yeah. Look, it could go, great. I mean, you what's know. What's that about? What's, what's uh, The Haunting of Hill well, House? Well, it's a, it's a, it's a 50, 1959 um, book and it's been done a lot of times in film. I think mostly called The Haunted or The Haunted House, all these sort of like films. that were, Right. And it covers the, um, it covers a family who, who obviously, like the Amateurville Horror and so forth, yeah. um, are growing up and have an experience of a paranormal experience in this house. Um, and then it, it flips them like a little bit like it many years later, there's a family tragedy. They all come back together and, and the story really, really cleverly, um, goes back and forwards between these, um, the timelines in, in a way that I've never seen done before. And it's done really well. And there's a lot of like hidden cookies in there and stuff like, did I just see a ghost? No. Nice. You know, yeah. And oh, the ghosts are—they're um, real. Like, you know how I feel about horror films. Oh, I'm just getting. Like, oh, it's—it's, it's, dude. You wouldn't want to watch it by yourself. Like there was some times when I had, I was, I was fingers between, but not, not. It wasn't constantly <laughs> yeah. jump scary. Yeah. It was, yeah, yeah, yeah. it was genuinely um, a ghost story. Nice. So the ghosts in it, but it didn't have. It wasn't without its like ghastly. Dead looking ghost jumping out at you. Of course, and well, so. it's gonna have to have a lot of like. Is that you know in the background? Ooh, ah. And the ho- the house itself, it's an interesting story. So no, it's it's a ten parter. Each episode, forty five to an hour. It's a it's an investment. What's the title again? Uh, the haunting. Uh, uh, the haunting of Hill House. The haunting of Hill House. Yeah. Uh, any games? Well, look, before I get into that, I mean, I've I, I got one more film i got to shout out, and uh, that's uh, You Were Never Really Here, uh, Lynn Ramsey's new film. I finally managed to catch that, and it was powerful and amazing and thrilling, and again, to, to up there with one of my favorite films that I've seen this year. It got a very, very small release. Um, Lynn Ramsey made We Need to Talk About Kevin, uh, and oh, this movie- that film. Yeah, this movie, this movie was, it was a, a, look, a worthy follow-up. So again, if you, if you can manage to catch that somewhere, I'm sure it will screen again. On, at a local indie cinema near you, do check it out. It's 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 a it's just a, a really artfully done character drama. It's a, a little mix of Taxi Driver and Drive and Old Boy. Uh, go check it out. Yep, uh, I'm I'm down with that. I'm gonna I'll catch that as soon as. Game wise, uh, well, Ryan, you know. Today is the day <laughs> is that October twenty sixth. Uh, Red Dead Redemption two is out now. So as soon as we wrap this up, I'm going back to the Wild West, baby. Eighteen ninety nine. I got some criminals to kill and some oh, trains yeah. to rob. Well, <laughs> I'm taking it back a couple months. Uh, I'm I'm catching up on the God of War nice, uh, nice. current game. So right. as soon as that's done, no, yeah. um, I am going to be down with the Red Dead Redemption two. Well, well, listen again. As far as big blockbuster games, I mean, really doesn't come much bigger than a Rockstar no. production. This is a game that has all eight studios working for the last, you know, last couple of years for Man. sure. But this game's in development for seven years. Um, you know, in in its in its in its busiest periods of development. I mean, the the writers were working hundred hour weeks for three weeks. I mean, it's not great, oh. but you know, these guys, these this company and the, the guys that run this company put everything they have into this, and it really shows. Cool. This so far from what I've played is an absolute masterpiece. Wow. Absolute 
genre-defining work of art, um, rock star. You guys have done it again. Well, You're amazing. You know what? Given how much I enjoyed the first game in 2010. 11, yeah. Uh, you know, I am I am I'm waiting with bated breath. I'm Mate. very much looking forward you, to it. You won't, this, I don't think you'll be disappointed. Right. And it is a prequel. So um, I dare say once you finish this game, uh, you, you, know, you can go back into the first one. But yeah. um, more than anything, uh, I believe in, the, in a month the multiplayer drops. So yeah. get onto it. Um, yeah. And then, you know, look, let's start a gang and yeah. we'll, we'll go rob some trains well, let's together. Let's have an update uh, in one of the uh, f- future catch-ups about how that multiplayer pans out. What are we hoping to review next time? Well, let's see. What have we got on the cards? We're um, going to go watch Halloween on Wednesday. Halloween is what's coming up. Awesome. <sighs> Jamie Lee Curtis's Perfect. curtain call. Jamie really? Lee Curtis call. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> The puns. So, um, you know, I, I think I've only seen the original once. Um, and obviously Mark Myers has a really long and storied history in, in cinema, cinematic history. So yeah. John Carpenter, original. John Carpenter, wonderful, wonderful. Yeah. So she, okay. she's going to wrap it up. So let's, let's um, maybe let's uh, briefly revisit um, some of the, you know, the, the previous franchise. Sure. And then we will... Um, We'll hit straight into Halloween. Perfect. Horror movie review coming up, everybody. Yeah. Unless we hear that it's just completely shit. In which case, this never really <laughs> happened. Never happened. We, we never had this. We, didn't, we, yeah. we might even edit it out. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> All right. Well, thanks. You've been listening to uh, I Have a Bad Feeling About This. It's a movie. Re- it's a film review podcast. Film, film, film. Films. 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 You, well, you can definitely, you can catch us uh, <laughs> at uh, I Have Fat Podcast at gmail.com or uh, on the uh, iTunes store, um, as well as I've just recently found out many other podcast um uh when you put your metadata onto itunes it puts you on all the podcast formats so we are on every platform out so there so just search i have fat that's i h a b f a t i have a bad feeling about this podcast thank you ryan thank you joe let's talk next time catch you then all right